What is the secret? What is the secret of air? What is the secret of such magnificent playing? What is the secret of light? What is the secret of snow? What is the secret of happiness? That's what I'd like to know. What is the secret of life? What is the secret of life, period? What is the secret? This is the age-old question asked by human beings as soon as we came into some kind of semblance of consciousness a thousand years before the birth of Christ. Human beings have asked, in essence, what is the secret? What is this great mystery of being? In this month's sermon series, we will be exploring the nature of secrets, the secrets of being, the secrets of place, of family, secrets that hold us back, and secrets that feed a sense of wonder. For the longest time, modern science said the way to get at the secret of life is to reduce it down to its smallest component part. That what is the real of the real is the smallest chunk of matter that cannot be broken down any further and needs only itself to exist. A table isn't really a table, it's just a conglomeration of atoms that happen to combine into a table. We believe the real of reality was the tiniest bit of a thing. Everything under the sun could be understood like a clock that we could pull apart and put back together. A table, a frog, a forest, the mind, the body. Nowadays, whether you have studied the sciences or not, that kind of understanding just doesn't seem to feel quite right. The world is not a semblance of invisible levers and pulleys combining little bits of matter to be deconstructed and reconstructed as we please. And yet I would argue that a lot of our lives and culture are deeply shaped by this kind of reductionist, mechanistic thinking. If I have a headache, I want a pill. If everyone would just eat organically, the environment would be saved. If we use those little plastic microbeads to scrub our faces in the morning, don't they dissolve and disappear when we flush them down the drain? I mean, they're plastic, but they're really, really tiny. If we could just reduce this glorious mess of a life into its discrete component parts of biology and early childhood experiences, maybe we could figure out how to be happy and watch a little less TV. A lot of our culture believes, a lot of our culture, beliefs and ways of being in this world have not caught up with some of the most exciting discoveries about the secrets of life that science has begun to reveal over the last century. 
But I'll tell you this much. Church is absolutely the place that we should be discussing them. Because in my book, this is where religion has been way ahead of science for several millennia. About a century ago, all the assumptions about what was the absolute real of reality started to fall apart as we became able to observe the very small, the very large, and the very fast. What was observed at these outer ranges of our senses was that nothing was as we thought. So take, for example, light. Scientists wanted to figure out the secret of light. Initially, they said, light is a bunch of particles, little tiny particles. Then, through a very famous experiment done in the early 1800s by a guy named Thomas Young, scientists concluded, no, light is a wave, a kind of electromagnetic field. So, so here we are today, able to slow things down or speed things up and generally pull things apart into even smaller bits beyond our human ability to perceive them, and science Scientists decide to send a single photon, a tiny bundle of light energy, through the same experiment, and light acts like a particle. Then they send a beam of light, and it acts like a wave. Then they send a whole bunch of little photons through the apparatus, thinking light will act like a particle again. And what does it do? It acts like a wave. So what in the heck is the secret of light anyway? Is it a wave, or is it a particle, or is it a wavicle? <laughs> in essence, you might say, light is potential. Light is potential. It expresses itself as a wave or particle in relationship, in relationship to its context, in relationship to how the experiment has been set up, in relationship to the observer. Relationship determines what light becomes. The real of reality is not how far or how small we can break something down. The real of reality is relationship. The real of reality is relationship, and this is what religion is all about. Every church, sangha, temple, or mosque worth its salt is preaching and practicing relationship, relationship to God or the Brahman or the way, relationship with our family, our neighbors, our enemies, relationship to self, to our body, to our spirit, to our heart. Religion says the real of reality is relationship and the quality of our relationships matter. 
openness and relationship to wonder matters. Compassion and mercy in relationship toward ourselves and others matter. Service in relationship to something larger than ourself matters. Gratitude and forgiveness feed the entire system. Relationship is not static, but an ever-creating reality. Therefore, take heart, my friends. You may feel like a particle at the moment, but you hold within the makings of a wave. The world may feel like a wave upon wave of trouble, but the smallest particle can turn the tide. I think about Jeff's story of his dear grandmother whose troubled beginning could have meant a disastrous life. But in the confluence of events and maybe plain old grace, as Jeff puts it, the synergy of relationships shaped a life that was giving and nurtured a family tree that is a blessing to this congregation. Viewing the world as relationship first is hard to grasp. It's elusive. Understanding reality as a way of being rather than a what of being is hard to make out, yes, and obscure. Still, it is real. There is certainty in it. We live it, breathe it, eat it every day. When I started to consciously try to live out relationship as the real of reality, my parents were in serious decline. My father had pulled my sister aside at some Easter gathering and said, we need help paying the bills. Your mom has messed everything up. I have to say this made me kind of burp up a laugh or two because my mom and dad were always trying to figure out how to live within their means and finances were always a mess. There was a sense of emotional chaos in my childhood home. Things were hard and unstable. I was brought up and bred to be a parent, a confidant and or a wife to everyone under that roof. So needless to say, the prospect of caring for my aging parents made me want to run for the hills. To tell the story honestly, I have to say my family and I did a lot of work in my late 20s and early 30s trying to sort through the different wounds that we were carrying around from this relationship of family. And we had come to some peace with one another. Still, as I began to take over my parents' finances, then carting them to the grocery store, then observing both parents settle into different shades of dementia, then adding two long mornings a week of picking up errands and general living assistance, the resentment began to blossom in me. 
I felt so weighed down, so put upon, and I could not figure a way out. It's weird, but I started to think about light, about how it didn't know what it was until the relationship brought it into being. And I wondered how to live into relationship first, how to live into a way of being rather than a what. It was science that helped me get my priorities straight and religion that helped me do relationship well. Practically, it meant slowing down. Instead of trying to rush my parents through one errand or another and invariably losing one of them for a chunk of time at the Walgreens, believe me, you can get very lost at Walgreens, I just said, they are slow. So I need to be slow. I need to get into the quality of their rhythm. There was something about being as present and openly compassionate as I could with these people I loved and hated sometimes, who were good people and very broken people, who gave me many, many gifts and who wounded me deeply. I tried to live in that sacred potential that is light, that is love, that is now. It wasn't always pretty. It really wasn't. I snapped plenty of times when my dad would beg to go to office max and buy one more set of pencils that would invariably sit beside his desk unopened along with all the other pencils, pens, rulers, and calculators. Or mom who would need to use the restroom, restroom just as we were about to leave for the doctor. No, oh. 20, 30 minutes late. But something changed. The more open I became, the more love I began to receive. Our partings at each meeting really became these tender moments of love and good wishes. We were becoming a wave, a relationship that was healing that was connected and whole. So when my father died almost two years ago, I wept at his bedside with honest tears. I loved him and he loved me and we loved the journey that we had made together to that point. When we say in this sanctuary, we welcome and affirm and protect the light in each human heart 
There's a part of me that hears we are here together to hold and nourish the sacred potential. The sacred light in you and in all things living and not living. We welcome what you are and what you have yet to become. We affirm that the secret of this life is relationship, whole and fragmented, tragic and kind, but always moving, always creating. And we shape the ever-moving, always creative relationship when we enter that rhythm with compassion, wonder, gratitude, service, and forgiveness. Have faith, my friends. The real of reality is upon you. Amen.